We're going to go ahead and conclude our Tough as Nails series. I, I actually had, um, I had, I kind of want to put a series together. I usually will write out things in my office as far as like, okay, this is things I want to hit. And actually, I had planned for two more. And so I had it all scheduled and I started to put everything together this week. And God said, no, I don't want this. I want this. And I said, okay, God, well, then I want to do the, the, you know, the, the following week. And he said, no, you're done. This is it. And I was like, ah, okay, then that's what we'll do. So actually, this is our last week. Next week, we're going to start a new series entitled Echoes from Exodus that I'm really excited about. It's actually one of those series I've always wanted to do. We're going to be looking at some of the, the stories in Exodus and kind of bringing those out and helping us see some of the relevant things that are going on in Exodus and in our world today. But that's next week. Today, we're going to finish our Tough as Nails series. And if you've been here, we've basically taken some, some attributes of Jesus. We've looked at those things together and, and to see how we can also go through tough times and come out on the other side. Because with Jesus, we can do this. And we've said it over and over again. I'm literally hoping in 10 years, you can walk up to me and, and repeat these words. That's why we've pounded them over and over again. But I want you to get this. I want you to know this, that no matter how hard it gets, if you have Jesus, you are tough enough. No matter what you face, no matter what you go through, you may be going through an easy time or one of the hardest times in your life. With Jesus' help, you can get through this. Now, here's the thing with that. Without Jesus, it's going to be extremely difficult. We look around and we see our world sometimes, try, people trying to get through hard things without Jesus when they don't have to. They can allow Jesus to come and give them strength and, and help them through those difficult times. So every week we've been kind of looking at an attribute of Jesus, something that Jesus used to get through his life and sometimes tough times. And so we've kind of looked at that together. So we're going to finish this up this week. Before we really jump in, let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for this time and this opportunity to be together and be with you. Father, I pray that you would just speak through me during these moments. Father, I need you. Because without you, we might as well go to lunch. But God, with you, everything changes. So I pray that we open our hearts in this moment to you. Not to me. Not to, not to what I'm even saying. But God, what you want to say to every heart and every life that's here. You love us. And we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so our last one. When the going gets tough, the tough learn to move. When the going gets tough, the tough learn to move. Here's what I've kind of found in life at times. When things get hard, I don't know about you, but this is me, I tend to get stuck. I tend to get into places that become more and more hard and more and more difficult and more and more, uh, I get more and more stuck. I remember as, as, as Easton was growing up, and obviously he still is, we would work, and I know I'm going to say this name wrong, so, so please, uh, you know, grammar police or, 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 or people don't, don't throw things at me. Because I always called them the, the, the bursting bears. I know that's not correct. I know it's like the bear-sting bears or something like that. I don't know. It doesn't matter. You know, you know what I'm talking about. You know, the, 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 the mama bear, papa bear, brother bear, sister bear. It was always funny to me because at some point they actually had another bear. And I was like, what do you call that one? And they called them honey, which makes absolutely no sense. Okay? That's why you stop, you know, with brother and sister. and You don't bring on honey. Anywho. But there was a story about brother bear. And in this story, Brother Bear tends to get himself into a little bit of trouble. 
gets himself into some issues with school and things like that. And so he has all these issues, and it's just, just one after another, and they're piling on and piling on and piling on. And eventually he does what every, you know, normal, I guess, not normal, that may not be the right way to put it, but at least what they do in the book, he goes and he finds his grandparents. Goes and finds his grandparents. And his grandparents, kind of, all the story comes out, and I'll just blah, 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 blah. And his grandpa says, come with me, I want to show you something. And so they take a walk, and they end up in this kind of swampy area. And in this swamp is an old horse-drawn carriage. And it's stuck in the mud. I mean, it's like, you can barely see it. And, and grandpa looks at brother and says, do you know what that is? And he says, no. He said, well, that's, that's my, my old carriage. I guess this was written in 1840 or something like that. Anyway, and, and he said, that's my old carriage. He said, well, how'd it get there? He said, it's real simple. He said, I was trying to get from here to there. And as I was going from here to there, I got into this swamp. And he said, I kept pushing it. And I kept going, I'm going to get through this. I'm going to get through this. I'm going to get through this. And eventually all he did was get more and more and more stuck until what he basically says is, I couldn't get it out, and there it lies. And I find that that's what we tend to do in our lives, is we tend to kind of have that attitude. I, I know this is hard. Things are getting more difficult, but I can get through this. I can deal with this. I can, I can push through. And ends up, what happens is we just get more and more and more and more stuck. Until finally we kind of look and, and in our lives, maybe our spiritual life or our relational lives or, or our marriage or how we handle our kids, we kind of take that step back and we look like grandpa and we see just a stuck wagon that we can never seem to get out. You see, that's kind of sometimes what happens to us. Well, here's what we need to understand. God has called us to move. God has called us to be people that don't get stuck, but that continue to move through and continue to get through, whether we're in good times or in bad times. We have to understand that sometimes it's good to take a step back and kind of look at our wagon. How stuck are we? Maybe we are, maybe we aren't, but we need to understand this. Grandpa couldn't get his wagon unstuck by himself. He needed something or someone greater than him. And what we want to look at this morning is we want to look at Jesus and see some of those attributes kind of come out. So we're going to start here looking in Matthew 17. In Matthew 17, it's a portion of scripture where, where we see some really amazing things begin to take place in Jesus' life. So we're going to jump right in and look at this. Matthew 17, starting with verse number 1, we're going to go through verse 4. It says, After six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up to a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Jesus said, or, and Peter said to Jesus, this is what we're going to focus in on for a second. Lord, it's good that we are here. If you wish, I'll make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. Now, in this portion of scripture, we're seeing what we call the transfiguration. It's where Jesus goes up to this mountaintop and in front of just a few individuals, Peter, James, and John, Jesus is literally transfigured in front of them. He begins to, his face begins to shine. I mean, he just, amazing, amazing things. And not, if that wasn't enough, 
Moses and Elijah show up, and Jesus has a conversation with them, which is just mind-boggling to me. Like, can you imagine Peter standing there, just sitting there with his mouth wide open, watching all this? Well, because Peter tends to, um, how should we say this lightly, put his foot in his mouth quite a bit. He says, listen, I got a great idea. Let's set up camp. That's basically what he says. He says, we're on this mountaintop, we're in this situation, let's stop moving, and let's set up tent, and let's just stay here for a while. That's what, Jesus, that's what Peter's response is to this. Is listen, this is good, let's hold off. Let's not move, let's stay. The problem is, is God is calling Jesus and us to move. Now let's continue on with our story. Matthew 17, verse number 5 through verse number 9. He was still speaking, he being Peter, when behold, because again, things couldn't get any more amazing, a bright cloud overshadowed them and a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And the disciples, when the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and they were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them saying, rise and have no fear. And when they lifted their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Now, verse 9 is this where we're going to be. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, tell no one of the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. Now, we have to remember here, okay? What's the context of our story? This has just happened, okay? Amazing stuff. And Peter said, hey, let's stay here. This is good. This is awesome. And what's the next thing you really begin to see after all the clouds and all these things, after God speaks to his son? They go down the mountain. Now listen, think about that for a second. Jesus knows what's coming. He knows what's going to take place eventually. I don't know about you, but to me, if I'm thinking crucifixions in my future, I might want to stay on top of the mountain a little bit. When I, like, I go camping with my family, we have a great time, and it's so peaceful and it's so nice. You know, sometimes I like being on the mountaintop. I don't want to come down the hill because I know what's waiting for me. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's difficult. It's, it's more hectic sometimes down the mountain. But what we have to understand is the people that needed Jesus were not on the mountaintop. They were in the valley. And Jesus said, i got to move to them. I've got to be that type of individual that moves to them. And here's what's great. Jesus is still moving now. Look at John 14, 2 through 3. I love this verse. It says, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Jesus is getting things ready for you and me. Jesus is out there. He's doing. He's moving. He's preparing. All these things. His whole life, I could, get, I could have given you scripture after scripture where it was basically, and Jesus went from here to there. He traveled from this place to that place. He was constantly in his ministry moving. And here's what we have to understand. God is calling all of us to move where, from where we are to where he is calling us to go. God is saying, listen, I'm glad you're here. I, it's okay necessarily that you're here. I've had you here for a time and a season. But now I'm going to move you over here. And the problem is, is at times we don't want to be moved. At times we kind of get stuck. 
in certain ways and in certain times. But God is wanting to do that. So then we need to ask the simple question. What moves us and what keeps us moving? What moves us and keeps us moving? Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to continue in Matthew 17. Okay, I want you to understand, we're still in the same chapter... But the story continues. We're not going to read it word for word. We'll get to Matthew 17 in just a minute. But here's kind of the situation. Jesus comes down from the mountain. He's with his disciples. He's commanded them, hey, listen, don't tell anybody about this. you got to wait. And they come down, and when they do, they find a situation that is very difficult. Now, if you don't know, which is really cool, and this kind of helps you know that you know, Jesus wants you to be moving more than you probably are. But Jesus at this time has already gone to his disciples very early in his ministry in a lot of ways and, 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 and said, hey, listen, you go out and preach. You go out and share. You go out and do all these things. And so they have been, and they've been doing great. It's been an awesome thing. Well, at this point, a father comes up to Jesus, and he has a boy that really needs to get from here to there. The scripture tells us that he's dealing with, with some serious, serious issues in his life. And basically, the father comes to Jesus, and he's just heartbroken. He doesn't know what to do anymore, and he basically says, listen, listen, my son here is dealing with these issues. He's dealing with this, with this demon uh, possession, and it's really, really bad. And he says, I came to your disciples, but they couldn't help him. They couldn't help him. And so it's really amazing. Jesus doesn't, like, he doesn't go through this whole rigmarole. He just basically says a quick prayer and, and takes care of it and gets that kid from here to there, from where he was to where God wanted him to be. And later on, the disciples come to Jesus and they say, um, hey, wh why couldn't we have done this? What was, what was the issue here? What was the problem here? Because they were having success, but they didn't in this situation. Well, that's where we're going to pick this up. And we're going to look at Matthew 17, verse, verse number 20. And this is what Jesus' response to them is. Remember, what keeps us moving and what moves us? And this is what it is. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. If you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, here it is, move from here to there and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. You say, Aaron, how do I keep moving? What moves me in the first place? How do I get from where God has me to really where God wants me to be? It's simple. It's faith. It's faith. Listen, this is in your notes. I want you to get this. Faith will move you from where you are to where God wants and needs you to be. You say, Aaron, how does that work? It, it's simple. There has to be this understanding of knowing who God is, that God has a plan for you, that God has a purpose for you, that God wants to work in you and through you. And sometimes that takes a lot of faith. Sometimes that's hard because we have to know that God has a great plan for us, that God has an awesome thing waiting for you to do. God doesn't just want to move you from here to there because he's bored, because he's like this chess master who's moving pieces on the board, but because he has a special role and a special plan for you, a special purpose for you. But here's the thing I found. Here's the thing. A lot of times in life there's the other side of the coin. So faith can move us, but there's something else that will keep us stuck greater than almost anything else. It's in your notes. Fear will paralyze you and keep you stuck where you are. One side of our coin is faith. 
knowing that God has a plan, knowing that God has, can use us, knowing that God is going to do great things. And that other side is that fear where we're just afraid of what God might ask us to do or if we can do it or all these sort of things. A lot of you know this, but I was a youth pastor for 15 years before I came to Broomfield. And if you know this, one of the things as a youth pastor that you do uh, every year pretty much is you take kids to youth camp. And that's always a fun thing. And I did that for years and years and had a great time. And one of the places that we would go, we went to a camp in Oklahoma. And it was a great camp, and we had a great time. And they had, the name of the camp was called Jacob's Ladder. And the reason why it was called was because they literally had a Jacob's Ladder in their campground. It is, if you know what that is, at least this is what I always was told it was, it's this massive, massive, huge climbing thing, if I can make that sense. It's usually made out of these large telephone poles. It's massive. It can be anywhere from three to five stories tall. And it's all this, it's climbing and it's all this fun stuff. And that was always the highlight of the, the, the week at camp. Thursday was always, you know, the climbing day. And so all the kids, man, they get on their climbing helmets and they get their harnesses on. And man, some of those kids were just like crazy good. And they climb up there and have a great time. Well, my favorite thing to do was to belay kids. If you know what that is, it's basically, I would, there would be a large two by, not two by four, large uh, telephone pole behind me with a hole in it, with a, with a ring hook, and I would hook myself with a harness to that, and then I would basically be their lifeline. As they climbed, if they fell, I could yank back and keep them from falling. Okay, that makes sense? It's kind of easy explanation, but that's, I used to love to do that. And so I would be on the ground as they would climb. And so as they would climb, I would pull the slack out of the rope and hold it tight so that they felt secure and they would climb up. And it was always interesting. It would always seem to happen the same way. Kids would start climbing and bam, they, I mean, they would just go up like crazy. And I would have to be like really moving quick to keep that rope taut on them. And they were moving. Why? Because they had a goal. They could see the top. I remember kids saying, I'm going to the top. I said, man, that's like five stories high. I don't care. I'm going to the top. Okay, great, go for it. So they'd go, and I'd be yelling at them, you can do it, man. You, oh, you're doing great. No, and I would even sometimes help them. You know, it's like, okay, use, grab that handhold and grab that one. And they would climb up, and I used to love that. But here's what would typically happen. They'd eventually get to where they could go. And then they'd stop. Why? What would happen? They'd look down. Yay! And just paralyzed. I say, I say, you okay? No answer. <laughs> you all right? <laughs> Nothing. You know? I'm like, I got you. You know, and I think some of those kids were like, you know, other than the fact that I cannot easily get food and water, this is a great view. I think I'll just stay here for about 10 years. This is good. And there was a problem. They had to eventually come down. Now remember, remember guys, the rope is still taut. The thing that kept them safe climbing up is the same thing that will keep them safe climbing down. But sometimes fear can just paralyze you. And you know what they were? They were stuck. And I would tell them, I said, look, you can, I got you. I got you. And one of the hardest things for them to do because usually what you would do, you wouldn't climb down. You'd basically rappel down. Which is basically you would have to let go of what you were holding on to. And trust me and the rope. And boy, sometimes that was hard. There were times where I literally thought, we may have to climb up and get him. <laughs> but eventually, 
they would let go. And yeah, there's that moment, if you've ever done this, where when you let go, that split second before that rope grabs, you're free-falling. And it can scare you. A lot of times, what I found is, is we, we tend to get paralyzed by that. When we're moving, everything's fine. It's when we stop moving that sometimes fear can really come into our hearts. Listen, I know there's been a lot of talk in our world today about fear versus, versus faith and all those things. And, and, and I'll be honest with you, some of those things have been just flat out wrong and, and twisted and hurtful. But at the same time, we need to talk about fear versus faith. And here's how this morning I want to help you understand where you're at, okay, in this context and in this understanding. Are you still moving? If you are not, you're probably allowing fear to be more powerful in your life than your faith. Only you can answer that. Only you can know that. But you've had to understand that sometimes when we stop moving, what we've allowed is that fear. We've allowed that paralyzing thing to come in. And it's, like I said, it's sometimes a lot easier when we're headed someplace and we're moving. It's when we stop that we tend to have some issues. So this morning, as we kind of bring this to a close, listen, I think it's important that we look at these. I think there's four things that can really keep us stuck and not moving. And all of these things kind of come around with fear and, and all those things, but they're also greater than that. I want to talk about four things that can keep you and me stuck. And as we do so, I'm going to show you four people in Scripture that kind of could have dealt with that, but found a way to keep on moving. Number one, the first one, you are stuck today because of your past. You're stuck today because of your past. I don't know how many times I've heard people say things to uh, this, uh, this event. Oh, oh, oh well, 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 pastor, listen, I, I know you say that, that God has a plan for me. I know that you say that God's going to do something great in me. But you know what? You don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know the relationships that I've destroyed. You don't know all the terrible things that God, God, God can't use me. God wouldn't use me. And we allow our past to keep us stuck. I want to introduce to you a guy that you know hopefully pretty well. His name was at first Saul, but it's now it was changed to Paul. Paul was a man that had a past, a big past, a murderous past. Look at Acts 9.1. In Acts 9.1, we kind of start to see what, a little bit about this. Meanwhile, Saul, who again becomes Paul, was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. This guy was more than just talk. He was wanting to see the followers of Christ literally be put to death, to be punished, and he was actively pursuing that. Now, I don't know what your past is. I'm not trying to belittle your past, but I don't think any of us here have literally planned and plotted ways to kill people, especially people that are Christians. But this is what his past was. Let's continue on. Acts 22, 4 through verse number 5. This is what it says. It says, this is Paul speaking. This is literally his words. I persecuted the followers of this way to their death. 
arresting both men and women and throwing them into, into prison as the high priest and all the council can testify, themselves testify. I even obtained letters from them to their associates in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. This guy was hardcore. He had a past. He had a past. And God got a hold of his life and literally transformed him. And so much of what we read in the New Testament today is written by that guy. You want to talk to me about your past? Listen. I got a past too. We all got pasts. What's great is when God gets a hold of us, he wipes that away and he does, he makes us brand new. Your past cannot be something that keeps you stuck. Look at 1 Timothy 1, 15. Paul now again is speaking. I love this verse. This is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. That's all of us. This is all of us could get this. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Why did Jesus come? That's why. Who are sinners? Everybody. He came for all of us. And then he goes one step further. And I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. What's Paul basically saying? It's real simple. Basically, Paul's saying, if God can love me and forgive me, you got it easy. <laughs> I mean, I want you to think about this for a second. Paul eventually begins to minister to and write letters to people that are siblings, maybe husbands or wives, kids of people that he helped put to death. That's a past. That's a past. But Paul refused to get stuck because of his past. Because Paul understood that Jesus came not just to give us great teaching, even though he did. Not to even give us a great example, even though he did. He came for you and for me. He came for us. Don't let your past get you stuck from moving and getting, helping, letting God move you from where you are to where he wants you to be. Number two, you're stuck today because of a loss. Because of a loss. I really struggle with this one because I want to be real sensitive here, but I do really believe that God really placed this one on my heart for somebody here today. A lot of times we experience loss. Now, maybe that will be a loss of a loved one. Maybe that would be the loss of a relationship or the loss of a friend or a spouse or, or a child. I mean, I, I don't want to belittle this because I know how difficult and how hard those things are. But listen to me. Hear, hear my heart on this. God does not want you to allow loss to keep you from moving forward. I want to show you a, an example that maybe you, you've never seen before that I think is really important. We're going to look at a guy named Jacob. Now, if you know the story of Jacob, it's, it's, it's 
the Old Testament, it's Genesis. We talk about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob was actually born second. And, and through a really a whole system of, of really de deceitful kind of trick kind of things, uh, Jacob kind of gets the birthright and all these things. And, and he's really kind of a, a pretty, I mean, you want to talk about past. We could talk about Jacob as well. He did some pretty cruddy things to his family. And he, he did some horrible things. Jacob actually means, the name basically means this idea of like heel grabber or deceiver. I mean, how would you like to have a name like that? You know, it's like, oh, well, this is deceiver, you know. And that's really what he was. That's what he experienced. Well, because of some of his actions, he had to run away from home, basically. And so he goes and he, he finds this uh, other group and, and he finds this girl. Her name is Rachel. And the Bible says that Rachel is good looking. I mean, that's... You know, Rachel's, and he just sees her and it's like, <gasps> whoa. You know, the birds are singing, the music's playing, and he just is all about Rachel. And he goes, he's like, hey, goes to her dad. It's like, I uh, love at first sight, man. That's my wife. That's who I want. I want, and, and the father says, okay, listen, I, 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 you know, you want Rachel, I'll make you a deal. You work for me for seven years, and then you can marry Rachel. And he's like, Done. I mean, I mean, listen, I mean, that's, that's, that's some love right there. I mean, you know, he's not getting paid. His, his payment is Rachel. And the Bible kind of almost says, it's like, it's like it went by so fast because he was so in love with Rachel. And so seven years comes and goes, and it's their wedding night, and oh my goodness, they're going to have a party. Everything's going to go great. Well, at this time, brides would wear these veils, and you couldn't see through them. And so the wedding night, or the wedding happens, and the wedding night happens, and I mean, he's ecstatic, everything's great. Well, he wakes up, and he turns over, basically, and guess what? Rachel's not there. It's her sister. And he goes, whoa, wait a minute. And he goes to the father and says, wait a minute, you, you tricked me. The guy whose name is Deceiver, who's tricked people his whole life, has now had the tables turned on him. And the father says, oh, no, no, you, you don't understand. And our, our custom is the eldest daughter has to get married first, and Rachel is the younger daughter. And so the father, just I mean, off, obviously off the top of his head, he had no idea what he was doing, says, listen, you know, I'll make you a deal. You work for me another seven years and you can marry Rachel. Well, you know, I probably would have been like, I'm out, man. That's, that's garbage. No way. Jacob says, done. He works another, he worked for 14 years for this girl. He loves her. He is in love with her. Just all about her. Well, eventually they are having children. And, and to make a long story short, Rachel dies in childbirth. Now, you got to remember, you know, we, we talk about the tribes of Israel. This is, this is Jacob, okay? He, it's his sons. Benjamin is, is who is being born when Rachel dies. And I can imagine it just crushes Jacob. Just crushes him. And I want you to look at something with me. Because God not only is transforming Jacob in that process of moving him. Because all through Jacob's life, he's moving He's moving to where God wants him to be. Listen, God changes Jacob's name. Look at Genesis 35 with me. In Genesis 35, 9, this is what it says. Is God appeared to him, him being Jacob, at Bethel. God blessed him, saying, your name is Jacob. Now remember, Jacob 
deceiver, heel grabber. But you will not be called Jacob any longer. From now on, your name will be Israel. So God renamed him Israel. You ever talk about the 12 tribes of Israel? That's because Jacob's name was changed to Israel. I know it's a country now, but it started off as a name of a person. And God changes his name. He says, listen, you're no longer who you were. I'm not going to let you get stuck in that moment and in that hurt and in that pain and in that loss. I'm not going to let you get stuck in that deception and those, those trick ways that you did. I'm going to change you into something different, into something better. You can't get stuck. So God changes his name. And listen, as you continue on with Genesis 35, you see something very important take place. And it's so small that sometimes we miss it. Look it with me. Genesis 35, starting with verse number 20. This is after Rachel has died. So over her tomb, Jacob sets up a pillar. And to this day, that pillar marks Rachel's tomb. So what is he doing? It's simple. This will make sense. He's basically setting up a monument. He's setting up a gravestone. He's setting up a something to remember his wife and what has happened. There's nothing wrong with this. But this is what he's done. But listen to what he's called. He's called Jacob. He's called Jacob when he's stagnant. He's called Jacob when he's there. He's called Jacob when he's placing the pillar. But listen to what happens in verse number 21. But Israel moved on again and pitched his tent beyond Miglan Elder. What is this telling us? It's simple. Jacob, the old, stayed. When God changed his name, he began to move. Hear me. Hear me and understand. Some of you are mourning over the death of someone or a relationship. And listen, we should mourn. Okay? The Bible tells us we, 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 we mourn. But we mourn like those who have a hope. Some of you have gotten stuck because of a loss. And God says, listen, I want to change your name and get you moving to where I want you to go. You can do that in a way that honors who's lost, but can move you forward to where God wants you to be. God has given you a new name. It's time that we begin to walk in that. Even though it's hard, even though it's difficult, we can do it with God's help. Number three, you are stuck today because you are just flat out too comfortable comfortable. We love our comfort, don't we? And we tend to get stuck. We, I like to go, sometimes we'll go to, to Costco and, and, or other places like that that have couches in them. And it's, oh great, you know, like Easton, for some reason, because he's a kid, I guess, loves couches. And so what's he do? You know, it's like, oh, there's a couch. It's halfway across the store. You ever sat one of those couches where you just kind of sink in I love it when he'll get into one of those things because he kind of literally does a flying leap into them, sinks in, and then he's just like, I'm, 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 I'm stuck. He can't, get, he can't, he can't touch the, the ground and he's just, you know, I'm stuck. Sometimes that happens to us. We tend to let our comfort be something that keeps us stuck. We're going to look at a couple of guys here. Simon Peter, Andrew, James, and John, who could have let their comfort keep them stuck. Look at Mark 1. In Mark 1, 
Verse number 16, this is what it says. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they were fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. Look at Mark 2. In Mark 2, 22. Oh, let's wait on that one. Let's follow that. Listen, what, what happens here? What, what, when we go back, let's, what, what's going on? Remember, they were comfortable. You can make a good living as a fisherman. They had it all. They, did, they, you know, they, they were comfortable. Jesus is walking up to them and saying, listen, he doesn't say, hey, this is what's going to happen. He doesn't say, this is how it's going to go down. He doesn't say, I'm the Messiah. He just says, listen, come follow me. And they leave it all. How many of you, can we just be honest, if some guy walked up and said, hey, listen, I'm starting a brand new business. I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'm not going to tell you anything about it. You don't know me from Adam, but I want you to quit everything and move with me to, um, I don't know, I'm going to pick a place, St. Paul, Minnesota. How many of you would say, done, let's go, I'm on it? We'd go, you're nuts. Give me, give me a business plan. Show me some things. Help me understand this. They don't. They just immediately leave. They drop their nets and follow Jesus. Listen, that took some guts. That was leaving what they knew. A lot of time comfort is found in what we know, what we're accustomed to. The problem is, is that a lot of time God is doing something new. God is doing something different than what we've experienced before. And we need to have the flexibility to say, you know what? It's going to maybe be a little bit uncomfortable. Listen, I go to the store or I go to the, the, a restaurant. Guess what? I pretty much order the same two things no matter where I'm at. Why? Because it's comfortable. I was talking to somebody about it recently. Why don't I do something different? Well, what if I don't like it? What if I order something and it's not good? Then I'm stuck. Then I don't have any lunch. I like my comfort. I like the things I know, but Jesus at times says, listen, to move you from where you are to where it's going to be different. It's going to, there's going to be different things about it. Don't let your comfort and what you know keep you from what God has for you. But it's so easy. Now let's go on to Mark 2. Jesus is speaking here and in the context of what he's sharing. Let me give you it really quickly. He's basically saying this. He's basically saying the old way of doing things, because he is here, do not apply anymore. Okay? I know that's really kind of short for a really broad understanding, but that's kind of what the, this, the context of it is here. And so now let's look at Mark 2.22. This is what Jesus says, And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. For the wine would burst the wineskins, and the wine and the skins would both be lost. New wine calls for new wineskins. If God's going to move you from here to there, there needs to probably, there's going to be some new wine that he's going to want to pour in. And what we have to understand is sometimes we think, oh God, pour new wine in me. Do something new in me. But I'm not willing to change or I'm not willing to get out of my comfort zone to let that happen. And then what does God do? He doesn't pour out the new wine. Why? Because he loves the wine and the wineskin too much. You realize that, right? There are times where God will not do what he wants to do because he knows it would burst you if he did it. 
And that tells us a little bit about how much God loves us, but also how much we need to understand that we need to be a new wineskin to accept the new wine that God wants to pour in us. Sometimes we blame God. Why won't you bring revival? Why won't you change this situation? Why won't you do this? Sometimes I've learned, at least in my own life, it's not because God doesn't want to. It's not because God can't. It's because my wineskin is too old to accept the new wine that God wants to pour in me. And we can get stuck because of it. Let's be people who say, you know what, God, I want that new wine, but also transform me so that I can accept the new wine. And know that, hey, the wine that you poured out last week or two weeks ago or 10 years ago or 50 years ago may look different because I've moved from here to there. And that's good and that's okay because God is moving us. The final one. You're stuck today because you feel alone. You're stuck today because you feel alone. And I say the, the, the best example for last, Jesus. You realize how lonely Jesus must have been at times? One of the greatest, most difficult stories to read a lot of times is found in Matthew 26. It's the night that Jesus is going to be betrayed. If you, if you know the timeline, Jesus has had his last supper and then he goes out to pray. And once again, he calls Peter, James, and John. And, and he, he basically says this is where we're going to be in Matthew 26, 38. He says, he told them, he says, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. The, the concept of keep watch is, is kind of twofold. It's, it's just be near me. It, it, it's also pray for me. It's also just, but, but just, it, it's really this concept of I'm just, I'm just alone. I just feel alone. Will you just stay close? Will you be alert? Will you be there if I call out? Jesus here is just in anguish. You know, sometimes we, we always see Jesus and he's healing the multitudes and, and, and he's doing all these great things. Sometimes we forget that in this moment, Jesus is just broken. He's, he just feels alone. And so he says to these guys, these close friends of his, will you just stay with me? And let's continue on verse number 40. So he goes off and he prays and he comes back and then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. Listen to this response. He says to Peter, he could have said it to all of them, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? You just, can't you just hear the heartbreak in Jesus' voice? He's like, Jesus knows what's coming and he feels so alone. You know, a lot of times we can feel so alone in our world. You realize that Jesus knows what that feels like. You know that Jesus understands that. And at times, we can allow ourselves to get stuck because we just feel alone. You know, at this moment, Jesus could have said, you know what? I know what's coming. Crucifixion's coming in the morning. I I'm, I'm out. I'm, I'm gone, you know, like Jesus is like, I'm, Judas is looking for me, but I'm, I'm skedaddling. But he didn't. Even though he felt alone, he continued on and he moved, listen, he moved from the garden 
to a trial. And then he moved from a trial to a crucifixion. And then he moved from a crucifixion to a tomb. But then he moved from a tomb to resurrection. You see, Jesus didn't allow his loneliness to keep him from moving to the glory of God that he was going to show and make a difference for all of us. And it's like even today, Jesus knew how sometimes we can get stuck in our loneliness, and he has a word for all of us. It's found in Matthew 28. Jesus says these words, and be sure of this. What, what does that mean? It's real simple. Jesus is basically saying, listen, if you're going to get anything, get this. If there's anything that's really true, this is it. Be sure of it. Hold on to it. Don't let go of this. No matter how you feel, no matter what's going on, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You're never alone. You're never alone. I know sometimes you feel alone. I know sometimes I feel alone. But with Jesus, you are never alone. And he knows he knows how much at times it can get you stuck. And Jesus is saying, I'm with you. I'll help you. I'll get you out of this place. If the worship team wants to come on up, we're going to close. Throughout this series, we've really looked at Jesus. I mean, this series has been about tough times. It's been about attributes. It's been about being tough and, and knowing that, that if Jesus can get through these things, we can too and all those things. But really, this series has all been about Jesus, who he is and how much he loves us and how much he has a plan for you and for me. It's been about him. It's been about learning about his toughness and then understanding that we can have the same toughness too. Why? Because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. Listen, I know it's easy to get stuck, but God has called us all to move. God has great plans for you. God has great purposes for you. But it's time to get moving. Okay? I know sometimes you can get comfortable and it's tough to move. I know sometimes loss can come and your past and all these things. There could be lots of other things we could have brought up. But the bottom line is this. God has you here and he wants to move you here. And it's time that we got up and said, I'm going to move. I'm going to let faith arise in me and begin that process of moving. To where God has for me to be. I'm not going to let fear, I'm not going to let doubt, I'm not going to let anything keep me from here. And here's what's great. When, we, when God moves us from here to here, I keep doing this, here to here, then he's, he's going to say, okay, awesome. Now let's move over here. And now let's move over here. God has great plans for you. You have a calling and an anointing on your life that God has plans for but it's time to move. It's time to stop being afraid. It's time to get tough as nails and begin to move and let God do in us what he wants to do. Will you pray with me? Father, we come to you right now. And God, throughout this entire series, we've talked about how hard life can be at times, but at the same time, how 
if we can apply the things that Jesus applied, we can overcome. We know that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. And Father, I'm not trying to belittle anyone's pain. I'm not trying to say the moment is hard. I'm just trying to help us to see that no matter how hard the moment is, Jesus, you're greater. And if we have you, we're tough enough to get through any situation, but we need you. So Father, whatever that situation is, we give it to you. Whatever that situation will be, we give it to you, knowing, knowing that you can help us and we can get through it with your help. Keep us moving, God. There is a promised land waiting for us, but we're not there yet. Keep us moving towards it. Keep us moving to the promises that you have for all of us. We love you. We thank you. Let's all stand. John and the worship team are going to come and lead us in a quick closing chorus. Thank you, Jesus. Hmm. Thank you, God, for never leaving us, never forsaking us, always being with us. In the good times and in the hard times, you're always there. We can trust you and lean on you to help us. We know you will. We know you have. We know you will continue. You're so good. And we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thanks so much for being here. Remember, guys, sign up for community groups are out there. There's a men's group this week, a women's group this week. Don't miss out. Lots going on. Love you guys. Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon.